All right, thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett. This is my wife, Sherry, who's going to be joining us. And so, in case you've been watching, we, we, this is our third try. We're having some technical challenges, so hopefully this is a go. Um, otherwise, we might have to postpone this another week. But uh, um, just so you know, uh, we have taken a, about a, a month off, and we apologize for that. We've had, uh, we have multiple jobs, and we've had to juggle, and some other things come up. So we apologize. We've had to, we haven't been able to be here, and so look like my wife gave me a thumbs up. So it looks like we got some sound now. So anyway, again, we're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on Ephesus. I mean, the Believer's Authority, excuse me, by Andrew Womack. And uh, as I was saying, we have taken about a month off on Wednesday nights because we've had some other activities we've had to attend to uh, as we are juggling multiple jobs and responsibilities. And so we're going to be picking up in chapter twelve tonight. And even though we've been off a month, uh, just so you know, all of our teachings, all of our Bible studies are archived on our website at LighthouseDiscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And so you can see all chapters 1 through 11 uh, on our website and on those uh, platforms. And so we also want to say thank you to all of our financial partners who have partnered with us in the ministry. Uh, we have over 12,000 followers worldwide who watch us every week, and only a small handful of those have uh, 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 partnered with us financially, and so we, we say thank you to those, uh, because it's for those small handful that support us financially that we're able to bring these teachings to you, and so we thank you for that. And uh, so anyway, um, we're going to be in chapter 12 tonight, I know we've been a month off. But if you're following the archives on our website and the YouTube channel, uh, you'll pick right up where we left off. We're going to be here in Chapter 12. We're talking about Believer's Authority. Now, I always, I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to go into all the recap of the first ch uh, 11 chapters. But let me just say this. You know, the Believer's Authority is the first book I read before, uh, when I, uh, of Andrew Womack, the author. Uh, this was back in 2009-ish. So we're in 2021, so almost about 12 years ago uh, that I first was introduced to Andrew Womack. And the, the way I was introduced to him was someone gave me this book and one other book of his at the same time. And it wasn't until 2013 that I actually heard him teach for the first time in Anaheim, California. And then uh, we, actually, we both went, uh, were graduates from his Bible school. He had an extension school here in California. Uh, that closed in 2016, but uh, we were part of that school while I was here. And then, uh, so anyway, um, we're just going to jump right back into the Bible study tonight. And uh, so uh, we'll go from there. The title of this uh, chapter is called Be a Witness, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're talking about the Believer's Authority. This is not a book on our teaching. <laughs> <coughs> excuse me, on spiritual warfare, per se. This is on the believer's authority. And as believers, as born-again believers, we have authority. Now, a lot of people haven't heard that. I mean, there's even the, uh, Andrew even has the slogan after the title of this book, uh, What You Didn't Learn in Church. So a lot of people have not heard this uh, type of teaching in church. and uh, uh, But we believe it's powerful. And so we believe it's true. So anyway, anything you want to share? And, you know, if you go back, like Dave said, and listen to the archives of the Bible studies, they all piggyback one on another. The, the main number one topic, of course, is always Jesus Christ and the gospel, that 
Jesus Christ as a son of God, that he came to earth as a man, and he went to the cross for us. He denied himself. He went to the cross. He was crucified. He took all of our sin, all of our shame, all of the curse upon himself so that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And not only did he die for us, but he rose again and he is seated on high. And that is the main thread, the main uh, topic of these Bible studies. But all of the Bible studies piggybacked on each other and the underlying theme of course under the gospel is that we would know as believers who we are in Christ and what we have in him and if you pay it, if you've listened to the Sunday night uh, effortless change the believers authority which we are uh, in, the, in the middle of um, just hear God's heart he not only loves you but he wants you to excel he wants you to succeed in life and he's reminding us through Andrew's Bible studies of what we have and as believers we have the authority that God gave us it's Christ in us the hope of glory um, and we just need to be reminded of that and renew our minds constantly day by day uh, to know what we have in him and who we are in Christ so that we can as we get into this uh, lesson be a witness Christ. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Acts 1, 6 and 7. I remember a guy who wrote a book proposing 88 reasons why the Lord would return in 1988. I talked with some people who honestly believed what he said was true. With all of their heart, they were counting on the Lord coming back in 1988. Of course, it didn't happen. So then he wrote a book detailing 89 reasons why the Lord would return in 1989. And people bought that book too. The guy totally missed it, yet a bunch of folks still came out and swallowed the very next thing he had to say. How dumb can you get and still breathe? Acts 1, 6, and 7 is saying that you can't know the time or the season that Jesus is coming back to fully establish his kingdom. If someone tells you that they know and they're predicting some date, then you can just write Ichabod across their forehead. That's Old Testament terminology for the glory has departed, 1 Samuel 4, 21. I guarantee you they are in deception and it's not God. Immediately after the Lord said, you don't have power or authority concerning those kinds of things because the Father has reserved them for himself. He continues saying, but ye shall receive power after the whole, that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Acts 1.8 Jesus told his disciples, you will have power to be a witness. Think about it. The Lord would never give you a position without also giving you the authority to execute and accomplish what he told you to do. So with this power to be a witness comes an authority to be a witness and all the responsibility that goes along with it.
You know, in the beginning of this book, and I, again, we're in uh, chapter 12, we, did, we spent a lot of time in the first, uh, I think, third of the book to go, just talk about authority in general. You know, some misconceptions of authority. Uh, we look at different levels of authority, like the authority in the home and authority uh, at different, different levels. You know, and I think we live in a, a society in a world today, I, I don't know how it might be in your country where some of you are listening from, but at least here in America, we have lost authority. I mean, we have lost the, the value and the um, um, submission and the, uh, uh, the, the word I'm looking for. Respect. I can't focus on what? Respect. Respect would be good too for authority. You know, and because of that, we've lost the value of authority. It's just not the same as it was when I was growing up and even before that. And, but, you know, when we talk about believer's authority, you know, some, sometimes people go too far and think that we just have authority over everything. No, and that's, that's again, a misconception about authority. You know, when, for example, a police officer only has authority uh, and one, first of all, in the jurisdiction where he's been sworn in, for example, if he's a police officer in a certain city, he doesn't have authority in another city. Or maybe he's a, a state trooper. He doesn't have authority in a, a different state. Uh, definitely not in a different country, okay? And so, by the same point in time, a police officer, again, only has authority as that badge says he has authority. The laws that surround that badge and tells him what he can and cannot do and, and outlines not only the jurisdiction as geographically, but also the jurisdiction as far as what laws he can implement and what are enforced and what laws he can't enforce. You know, there's some things that we don't, let me just take this, you know, uh, Andrew uses the concept, you know, especially from uh, Acts 1, 6, and 7 where we don't, it's not for us to know the times and seasons. And he went to this guy who wrote this ridiculous book on 88 reasons why Jesus comes back in 88. And then he wrote a sequel to that in 89 because he missed it. Well, he missed it twice. And I could have told you that before he even wrote the book. But at the same point in time, <coughs> you know, we don't have authority over certain matters. At the same point in time, yes, our, the Bible does say that our, in our sport against spirits, we know all things, but we don't all know. We're not God, and we can know all things concerning the kingdom of God and who we are, and whatnot, and all that can be taught to us by our teacher, the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God. But at the same point in time, we we don't have authority in every single facet, avenue, and you know, we, for example, when we talked about authority in general, you know. If I'm not in your life, you know, and to a certain level, I don't even have authority to speak into your life to a certain level. I, you know, as a pastor, I'm not a pastor of everybody. I'm not something, many of you who are watching, I may or may not be your pastor, okay? I can only speak into your life to a certain level. You know, even this Facebook or YouTube or whatever outlet you're looking at is teaching I can, you know, it's only by choice that you don't even have to watch if you don't want to watch. You have made the choice. I don't have authority over you. You know, authority only goes so far to so many levels and whatnot. 
Uh, you know, unless someone gives me permission to speak in their life, I don't have authority. We dealt with some of that. But more importantly than all of that, what I'm just kind of trying to convey is what do we have authority for? And I believe that's one of the things we're going to bring out in this chapter. We have authority to be a witness. It said in Acts 1.8 that you shall be received power and not the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses of me, witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and other most parts of the world. Okay? <coughs> we have authority to be a witness. Where, is that, where does that witness look like? You know, we have authority to, to preach. We have authority to preach the Word of God. We have authority to believe the Word of God. We have authority to lay hands on the sick. We have authority to do anything that the Word of God says that we can do. And, and, and But we don't have authority over anything else the Word of God doesn't say we can't do. Uh, we have authority to be a witness of the Jesus Christ. You know, and uh, uh, in one sense, just like, I don't know how it might be in your country, but when someone goes on the witness stands... They put their hand on the Bible so they're not going to get, tell the truth, nothing but the truth, you know. And we have authority to tell the truth. Now, people not, might not want to receive the truth. People might not like the truth. But the truth really doesn't get a vote. Just because, you dis just because someone disagrees with the truth or tells a lie doesn't make the truth any, more, any less true. <laughs> the truth is still the truth. And we're going to preach the truth in season and out of season. You know, we're going to preach it to all creation. Yeah, everyone has a right to embrace the truth or reject the truth. We have authority. People have a right to be saved or reject salvation. People have a right to be healed or refuse to be healed. People have a right to uh, experience prosperity in their life or reject that in their life. Okay? And so we have authority to preach the Word of God. We're going to go on much more deeper levels, but I just felt like sharing at least some of that. And then you want to add to that, Shirley. And, you know, just to piggyback real quick on Dave uh, speaking about authority and what we have authority over. For example, I don't have authority over Dave, my husband, or he over me. But if Dave gets sick, I have authority to heal him. I have authority to cast that sickness out. Uh, if... Um, I, I know in, in the Gospels that it talks about that uh, we have authority to cast out demons. I already spoke about sickness. You know, we have authority to speak to our lack. Um, you know, it, if you read it in Genesis uh, 1 and 2 within the creation story, God expressly tells mankind what he has given us authority over. We have authority over uh, creation in a sense that, you know, if I tell my dog what to do, it needs to obey me. Um, we have authority over the, the cattle and the, the, the animals and, and um, things like that. I, um, you know, I, I love Dave's example over the cop because that is, uh, that, that's a good analogy, a description of what kind of authority that God gives us and what it entails and what it doesn't in, entail. And, um, you know, with just like a, a cop with great power.
power comes great responsibility. God's given us responsibility to be a witness, to cast out devils, to heal the sick, uh, to be a witness in all the world. So he's given us that jurisdiction, so to speak. Okay, let's read it a little further. Let's get a little deeper into this. Uh, through people. Um, that's the next section. Peter exercised this power and authority to be a witness when he followed God's leading to Cornelius' house. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in the vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Acts 10, 1 through 6. An angel appeared to this centurion and said, Cornelius, you're a devout man. God has heard your prayers. Now send to Joppa and ask for Peter. He'll come and tell you how to be born again. Why didn't this angel tell Cornelius the gospel? It would have been much more efficient than sending men on a two-day journey one way to bring Peter back. Why didn't this angel just tell him how to be born again? The answer is simple. God gave power and authority to people to preach the gospel, not to angels. Angels don't have the authority to preach the gospel. We do. God has limited himself to preaching the gospel through people. God's plan is for us to preach the truth of the gospel, for people to hear it and be born again through the incorruptible seed of God's word. However, Satan has come in through religious teaching saying, you don't have to share God's word, just pray them into the kingdom. So now there are all these Christians who are praying and asking God to save people and they never share the gospel with them. I've actually met people before who say they are prayer warriors who never get out of their closet. Their prayer list is so long they can't even read it all in an hour. They diligently work through their list and pray for everybody but they won't witness to a neighbor. They don't talk to people at the grocery store. They won't speak to their mailman. They don't share the word with anyone, but they're praying for a great move of God. That's deception. It doesn't happen that way. You can't pray a person into the kingdom of God. Well, I just bring out a couple of uh, awesome points here in uh, this section of this chapter about being a witness. You know, and we're, we're talking about believer's authority. But the first thing he brings out, he's talking about how Peter preached the gospel to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. And how the angel came to Peter in a vision, but also spoke to Cornelius as well, and to send for Peter. You know, and why didn't the angels preach the gospel to Peter? Because the angels don't have authority to preach the gospel. We do. Man does. Mankind has given the authority to preach the gospel. The angels have authority to certain levels, but authorities, the angels do not have authority to preach the gospel, okay? And so, in, in many ways, the angels are just servants, you know, so they, 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 they don't 
command anything, you know. So I probably said that wrong when I said they have a authority to a certain level. But they have permission to do what God's called them to do. That's, I don't want to get off track with that. We have authority and we have a commission to preach the gospel, okay? In other words, more specifically, we even have, we have a commission to make disciples of all nations, okay? But he also talks about here, and I lost my train of thought here, about prayer warriors. I'm all about praying. And actually, I, I mentioned earlier that the, the, the two books that were given to me when I was introduced to the author, Andrew Womack, this was one of them. The other one that was given by the same author was A Better Way to Pray. And in that, and we've done a Bible study, and that Bible stays on our archives if you go to our website and also tell you, uh, I don't know if it's on YouTube, but I know it's on our, our website. And so, um, you know, Andrew teaches a better way to pray. And one of the one of the one of the main things I get out of the better way to pray is that uh, prayer, in the simplest form, is not. Um, well, let me let me say it this way: prayer, in a simple form, simplest form, is a relationship with God, and we have a relationship with Him, and we are not pleading for God to do stuff. Especially, we're not praying for people. For we're not praying that people get saved. We are. We have been given commission to, to preach the gospel to get them saved. We can't pray people into the kingdom of God. We have to preach the gospel for them to give, for, and then they hear it and believe it and receive it to be saved. You know, and I'm all for prayer, and I'm all for intercession prayer to in its, in its right context. But some some of us have gone into our prayer closet more than we've gone to preach and minister and make a disciples of all nations. In other words, let me say it this way. We've been commissioned to make disciples of all nations. We have not been commissioned to pray uh, everyone into the kingdom. Okay? The laborers are few. The, the harvest is ripe. And I'm not saying we can't pray that for someone for, uh, for someone to go preach to them. I can't say that we can't pray that someone would soften their hearts to hear, to hear the gospel, receive the gospel. But we can't pray them into the kingdom. We're almost as if we're praying that God would save them. God, it says in Peter that God doesn't want anyone to perish. That he's long-suffering that all can come, and I'm paraphrasing this, all can come to the kingdom. You know, God wants people saved more than we do. He died for them, <laughs> you know. And so at that point in time, we we are called to preach the gospel. We're called to minister the gospel. Um, I just want to kind of read this last paragraph. Um I've actually met people before who say they're prayer warriors who never get out of their closets. Their prayer lists are so long they can't they can't even re uh, read it in all in an hour. They diligently work through the list of prayer for, and pray for everybody, but they won't witness to a neighbor. They don't talk to people in the grocery store or the market or the bodega. They they won't speak in, to the mailman. They don't share the word with anyone. But they're praying for a great move of God. That's a deception. It doesn't happen that way. You can't bring a person to the kingdom through prayer alone. I'm not saying prayer doesn't work, and I'm not saying prayer is not valuable. But you cannot bring people to the kingdom of God by prayer alone. Prayer is a, is a powerful thing that, that can help orchestrate someone coming into the kingdom. But someone cannot come been be born again by prayer alone. We need to preach the gospel to them. We need to minister to them. You know, 
<coughs> and each of us need to be willing to preach the gospel to us in a way. We might not all be pastors. We might not all be evangelists. We might not all be bishops and different things. But we are all called to be able ministers in the new covenant. And it's our job as pastors and evangelists or bishops, if that's what you call yourself. It's our job to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's our job to equip you to minister to one another. Ministering to one another can include praying for one another and praying for one another. But that's not the only thing we're commissioned to do. We, are, we have been given the authority. We're talking, I want to bring this back to believers' authority. We have been given authority to be a witness. We have not just, have we been given authority to be a prayer warrior? Uh, I can go with that. But we have been, but that's not what Acts 1-8 says. Acts 1-8 says we have, we've been given authority to preach the gospel, to be a witness unto him. Being a prayer warrior is not a witness, okay? Being a prayer warrior can be effective, and for the, right, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. And I'm not downplaying prayer. But what I'm damn doing, I am not magnifying prayer over preaching the gospel, okay? We have been commissioned to preach the gospel. We have also been instructed to pray for one another. I can, I can teach about prayer. We ought to pray for one another. I'm not minimizing that. But some of us have... A, have chickened out our, uh, there's a word I'm looking for again, but it just we have uh, given an excuse not to minister to people and just, well, we're just a prayer warrior. We're, we're going to play it safe and not get rejected. You see, you know, pastors and teachers and those who evangelize, they get attacked. <laughs> I mean, some physically, but we just get attacked in so many different areas. Since I've been a pastor, I've been attacked by so many different people and so many different levels. It's like I have a bullseye on my back, you know. Um, but that's, that's what God's called me to do. Has God called everyone to be a pastor? No. Has God called everyone to be an evangelist or a bishop or whatnot? No. But we are all called to minister to one another. We are all called to minister the Christ to everyone that we come in contact with, with everyone that's in our circle of influence. Are we supposed to pray for them? Yes. And am I, am I minimizing prayer? No. But they are not going to come into the kingdom just because we pray. Prayer is powerful and prayer can orchestrate. A lot of times we're praying that God will send someone to minister. Well, I believe if we're going to pray for God to send someone to minister, then we need to be willing to be one of those who will go minister. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, I think it falls on the line of being a coward, and I don't mean to be offensive, but it falls on the line of being a coward if we're going to pray for God to send someone to minister, but we're not willing, or serve someone, or minister to somebody. The, <coughs> when I say minister, the word minister in the, in the Bible means a servant. It doesn't just mean preaching from a pulpit, but you can share your testimony. You can, you see, if you were on a witness stand in a course, you can only be, give a witness of what you know. Maybe you don't know much, but if you're a believer, you know enough that you got saved. And you can share your testimony. You can be a witness of how God has affected your life and how he's changed your life. And a witness can't give a, a testimony about something he, didn't, he or she didn't witness. Okay, You're not responsible to share something you don't know. But you are responsible to share what you do know. And so 
We all have something to say. We all have a testimony. Okay? And so we all have something to share. And again, I'm not minimizing prayer, but at the same point, and Andrew's not minimizing prayer, but we are also, we have authority, not just in the prayer closet, and we do have authority in the prayer closet, don't get me wrong, don't get Andrew wrong, we do have authority in the prayer closet, but we also have authority to preach the gospel. We have authority to minister to one another, in season and out of season. Anything you want to add? Amen. <laughs> no, that was good. So, um, hopefully you're getting my heart. We do have authority in prayer, yes. But we also, if we're just going to pray for people and never minister to somebody, then we are in one sense limiting God. Yeah, that is not what we've been commissioned to do. And we need to pray, but we need to minister. And we're not all pastors, I get that. But, you know, there's people you are going to reach I will never ever meet. And I'll never be able to minister to them. But you do because they live in your home, they live in your village, they live in your community, they go to your grocery store or, or marketplace or wherever you go, and they, you have a connection with them that I don't. And my job is to equip you to, for the work of the ministry until we all come to the unity of the faith, to the, the measure of the, of the fullness of God. And so anyway, uh, anything you want to add? And and you, you. I hope you're hearing Dave's heart and mine and Andrew's. We are not minimizing prayer. Prayer is very important. Prayer is part of our relationship with God. It, it, I mean, if you just read uh, Paul's epistles, he talks about prayer a lot, and he and he prayer prays for us. Uh, but even in in Mark chapter sixteen. Uh, when Jesus gives them the commission, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He doesn't say pray for every creature. He says, preach the gospel to every creature. And, you know, there, there, there's a lot in the Christian uh, walk that is important. You know, worship, prayer, uh, ministering to one another, but, like Andrew said, part of this believer's authority that we have that Jesus said, go and do, uh, is, is be a witness. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to respond to some of the people on Facebook and uh, YouTube are following. So that's why I'm on the phone a lot. I am paying attention, but I'm also trying to engage with some of you guys. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's keep reading. The next section is Faith Comes By Hearing. You have to be born again by the incorruptible seed of God's word. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 1 Peter 1.23 God's word is the seed. It must be planted in the ground of our heart. This is also like sowing a seed in the womb of a woman. You can't conceive a child apart from this seed being sown. There was only one virgin birth, and there isn't going to be another. You must get out of your prayer closet and sow the seed of God's word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. You can't be born again without faith, and that faith comes through the seed of God's word. Thank you, Brittany. You don't get pregnant through prayer. You, can't, you can receive healing through prayer, which may affect your ability to get pregnant, 
but you don't get pregnant through just prayer. I have prayed with many couples who are unable to have children who later went on to conceive supernaturally, but my prayer wasn't what made them pregnant. One time a woman came forward and asked me to pray that she'd get pregnant. Right before I put my hands on her, I felt impressed to ask, are you married? She answered, no, I'm not. I pulled my hands back real quick. I wasn't going to have anything to do with this lady getting pregnant if she wasn't married. That's not God's will. Prayer doesn't make you pregnant. You have to plant that seed. Many Christians are praying for people to be born again, but they're not praying about the planting of the seed. They're not praying for someone to come across their path and preach the gospel to these people, Matthew 9:38. They aren't asking the Holy Spirit to bring back to their memory the words God has already spoken to them, John 14, 26. They're just thinking that they can pray somebody into the kingdom. That violates the power and authority God gave us when he told us to go preach the gospel. The angel didn't tell Cornelius how to get saved. Peter, a physical human being, had to do that. You need to understand that God gave the power, authority, and responsibility for preaching the gospel to people. You may have been praying for someone for many years, but you're frustrated and wondering, why isn't God saving this person? It may be because you aren't praying right. Are you asking God to save them as if there was something he could do? He's already done his part to provide salvation through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Lord commissioned us to preach the gospel. If that person hasn't received salvation, it's either because they aren't hearing the true gospel or they're choosing to reject it. It's not God who isn't saving that individual. There are ways you can pray to speed things up and enable the Holy Spirit to minister to this person more. But just praying and asking God, please save them, is useless. That's not how the Word teaches us to do it. Okay, so this is piggybacking on some of the things we've already been talking about. And very powerful stuff. And, uh... <coughs> the, section, the title of this section is Faith it Comes by Hearing. You know, again, going off the topic of what we were just talking about, people are not going to come to the kingdom just because we pray for them alone. Prayer is powerful, and we're going to keep saying that. But at the same point in time, we've been commissioned to preach the gospel. Okay? And people are not going to come into the kingdom unless they hear the gospel. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. You can't have faith in something if you never heard it. Okay, faith comes by hearing the word of God, so they need to hear the word of God. And it's like seed time and harvest. You know, you can't have a harvest if you don't have any seed in the ground. You can't get pregnant if you haven't had the proper relations, <laughs> how, the, how God has ordained for that to take place. Okay, uh, and so, you know, uh, he says here, many Christians are praying for people to be born again, but they are, are not praying about the planting of the seed. What's the seed? God's word. I'm not praying for someone to come across their path and, and preach the gospel to them. Okay, are you praying for people to come to your path? Okay, are you praying for people to come across, excuse me, their path? Okay, because someone needs to preach the gospel to them. Okay, someone they can connect with and preaching the gospel. They aren't asking the Holy Spirit to bring back to their, their, to their memory the words God has spoken to them. Maybe it's a, it's a, it's a family member. Maybe it's a, a loved one, a child, you know. They heard the gospel, they felt rejected, or they walked away from it, or whatever the case may be. Are you praying for them to remember the Holy Spirit, to remind them of, the, of what they've been taught, you know? And 
Okay, every time you pray, and the Holy Spirit reminds them, they can reject it. So you might have to keep praying in one sense, you know. Uh, they're just shrink. many people are just shrinking that, that they can, uh, excuse me. They're just thinking that they can pray somebody into the kingdom. That violates the power and authority God gave us. He told us to preach the gospel. And he goes on how the angel didn't uh, just tell Cornelius how to get saved. No, Peter had to do that. Peter had to preach the gospel. You know, um, he goes on to say, uh, some people are just frustrated and wondering why God, God isn't saving uh, this person or that person. In one sense of the word, and in a major sense of the word, God has already done his part. He said Jesus. Jesus died for our sins. He, 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 he did his part. He's made salvation available to the whole world. It talks about this in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 5. God has made salvation made to, to the whole world. Okay, But the whole world hasn't received Jesus Christ. Now, he also makes a comment here, um, the Lord commissioned us to preach the gospel. If that person hasn't received salvation, it's either because they aren't hearing the, the true gospel. Now, some people have a, heard a version of the gospel, or what I consider a false gospel, but they haven't heard the true gospel, and, uh, they're, and they're uh, choosing to reject it. It's not God who isn't saving individuals. God has made salvation available to everyone. There are ways you can pray to speed things up that enable the Holy Spirit to minister to that person more or again, but just praying and asking God, please save them, is useless. That's not how God, how the Word of God teaches us to do it. Uh, we can't just make a blanket prayer, Lord, save them. It doesn't work that way. That's not how the kingdom of God works. We are the real witness. Someone needs to preach the gospel to them. You can't get pregnant without having a seed. You, with, uh, you can't have a harvest without a seed in the ground. The word of God needs to be preached. The word of God needs to be heard. The word of God needs to be believed and received. Okay? We can't force them. We can, uh, even if someone preaches the gospel, we can't force people to believe. We can't force people to receive it. People have a right to reject it. Okay? But we, you know, and, uh, we, but we are, people come to the kingdom because the gospel was preached and they believed it and received it and were saved. That is the way it works. Okay. Now we, prayer can be involved with that whole process. Prayer can speed things up. Prayer can help send laborers. Uh, uh, Jesus talked about how we can pray for that God would send laborers. Okay. I believe, I believe we also need to pray as we're praying for God to send laborers. We need to be willing to be a laborer, okay? And, and, and so we've been commissioned to preach the gospel, okay? People need to... Pe prayer is a powerful thing that can help orchestrate all of this, but people are going to come into the kingdom because they heard the gospel, believe the gospel, receive the gospel, and are saved. And so they need to hear the gospel. They need It needs to be preached. Without preaching, uh, people can't... You can't have, the faith comes from hearing the word of God. You can't have faith in Jesus if you've never heard about Jesus. Okay? And we need to hear the true gospel. Some people are not preaching the true gospel. It's good news. You know? It's not fire and brimstone. That's not good news. Is there hell? Yes. It's for God, devil and his angels and some are going to go there. But preaching about hell is not good news. You, you can't scare people into the kingdom. 
John, First John, chapter 4, talks about how fear, bring, fear, fear brings torment. You cannot torment someone to be saved. That is not the gospel. That's not the good news. It's by his goodness that leads people to repentance. Okay? People need to hear about the goodness of God. People need to hear about the, uh, uh, his goodness. And that's how people come into the kingdom. He's a good, good God. And yes, if they don't get saved, they will go to hell. Yes, that's true. You know? But uh, they're not... We don't scare people into the kingdom. We preach the gospel. We preach Jesus. We preach the good news. Peter, when he came to Cornelius' house, he didn't preach all about hell. He preached all about Jesus. Okay, Peter at Pentecost, he preached about Jesus. There were some rebukes to go around. He gave some rebukes there. Okay, and sometimes the gospel does need a rebuke. I'm not totally wiping that out. Okay, sometimes people need to be rebuked. Uh, 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 rebuke, a spanking, so to speak, you know. But we're, we need to preach the good news. Is there some correction? And all scripture is possible for doctrine, for reproof, correction, for training in righteousness. There's a place for reproof. There's a, there's a place for correction. But it needs to be done in love. And if you preach all about hell, but you never preach about Jesus, people can't believe in hell and get saved. People need to believe in Jesus and get saved. People need to hear about Jesus. People need to hear the gospel. That hell is true. It's in the Bible. It's true. But it's not the gospel. Okay? We need to hear the gospel. People need to hear about Jesus to be saved. There's a place to talk about hell. There's a truth to talk about hell. And I'm not saying exclude it. But at the same point in time, that is not how the number one way people can get saved. That's not how I got saved. Okay? I got saved because I heard about Jesus. And people need, and if you just talk about hell, you just talk about what's wrong with, if you just talk about their sins, but you never mention Jesus, how are they going to get saved? Because you have to believe on Jesus to be saved. And I'm not going to believe about, I'm not going to believe about my sin or my hell. I need to believe in Jesus. He took my sin. He crucified my sin. And you know, he who knew no sin became sin that I may become the righteousness of God in him. There's a lot more I hope I can say. I'm trying to emphasize we have authority to be a witness to preach the gospel so people get saved. People can't get saved if they're not hearing the right message. People can't get saved if they're not hearing the message at all. Okay? Prayer can be a powerful part that's involved, that's intertwined with all this stuff. But at the same point in time, uh, we... People need to hear the gospel to be saved. And, you know, just to piggyback on David and Andrew, you know, Andrew brought out the verse in Romans 10, um, verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But if you start reading from the beginning of the chapter, Paul basically addresses what Andrew is teaching on. And he's, he says in verse 1, in Romans 10, 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. And you could stop there, but you're not hearing uh, everything that, that God through Paul is, is sharing exactly what Andrew's teaching. And if, if you go on, and for sake of time, uh, I won't read the, the whole chapter, but we'll start in... Uh, Verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? 
And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Paul addresses it right there. How can they believe on him unless they hear? How can they hear unless someone sent? And the amazing thing is God took care of that. He sent all of us. He sent every believer to go out and preach the gospel. You know, so that by preaching the gospel, uh, those can hear and uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You hear the word of God and you believe. And, you know, I... God takes care of everything. He He puts it, spells it all out for us. He, he makes it clear for us. And uh, I think that's awesome. You know, I love that that Andrew uh, addresses the fact, why isn't God saving this person? Well, God has already done his part. He can't crucify Jesus again. He sent Jesus to the cross for all of mankind, for everyone to be saved. But, again, like Paul says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You need to hear the gospel to be able to believe. And, you know, even that verse that Paul quotes, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. The gospel, in a nutshell, is good news. The good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ came to die for us and save us. And that he is risen again. And, um, you know, without the cross, without his death, without his resurrection, we'd be all lost. But it's good news that Jesus, because God so loved the world, that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for us, for all of us. All right, that's good. How much time we got? How are we doing? About 10 minutes. Okay, let's read one more section of the truth. You may be tempted to be offended right now, feeling like I'm saying that God is limited in power. No, I'm saying that God has limited himself by his own word. He told us to preach the gospel. He said that people are born again by the incorruptible seed of God's word. If we don't follow his instructions, then we can't expect the proper result. Perhaps you choose to say, God, I'm not going to talk to them. I don't want to get out there and risk suffering any embarrassment, shame, or persecution that might come by me speaking the word. I'm just going to pray in my closet and believe that you're going to do a miracle. If this is you, then you're just spitting in the wind. It isn't going to work because that's not how the kingdom operates. I'm speaking this truth in love. If we ask God to save someone but we don't do what he commanded us to do, which is preach the gospel and be a witness, then it isn't going to happen. People must be born again through the word of God. Prayer doesn't cause people to be born again. Prayer may help once you've already shared the gospel, but it's not a substitute for doing what God has told us to do. People don't get born again just through prayer. They get born again through hearing the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 32. The devil has deceived people into just praying and asking God to do 
what he has commanded us to do. He's commanded us to preach the gospel. Cornelius had an angel appear to him in response to his prayers, but the angel didn't preach the gospel to him. Instead, he told them to send men to Joppa to bring Peter back to tell them how to be born again. Angels don't have the authority to preach the gospel. God didn't commit that to them. It's our responsibility. You know, a lot of this is just uh, repetitive what we were hearing, and we need to hear the repetition of this. You know, uh, we're just going to come here, we're going to talk about how um, uh, you know, here it is. Prayer doesn't cause people to be born again. Prayer may help once you've shared the gospel, but it's not a substitute for doing what God has told you to do. And I think that kind of and once that sums up what we're trying to say, prayer is not a substitute for preaching the gospel. Prayer can be involved in helping us preach the gospel, helping make sure that the, the seed that's being sown is, is received and remembered and, and all those good things. But prayer is a good uh, additive uh, to, to preaching the gospel. Prayer is powerful, but prayer is not a substitute for preaching the gospel. And uh, I'd like you to make, make a comment up here, too. I missed it, but I would, I've been trying to, 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 to say as well. Um, uh, and he told us to preach the gospel. He said that people, he, he said that people are born again by the incredible seed of God's word. If we don't follow the instructions, then we can't expect the, the proper results. If you choose to say, well, God, I'm not going to talk to them. I don't want to get out there and, and risk suffering any embarrassment, shame, or, pers or persecution. That might come from speaking the, the word. I'm just going to pray in my closet and believe. If you're, if you're going to do a miracle, then you're just... Uh, uh, anyway, I'm just reading it here. In other words... I just seen a complacency. I'm seeing a laziness. I'm seeing even a cowardness. For some people, they're only willing to pray for people, but not not willing to to talk to anybody. You might not be the next Billy Graham. You might not be a pastor and everything that I've been describing earlier. But if if you're gonna pray for people to be saved, but you're not willing to to talk to anybody, then that's not what God's called us to do. Has God calls to pray for everybody? Yes. Has God calls to pray pray without ceasing? Yes, but he's also commissioned us to preach the gospel. He gave us the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness. And you can't be a witness with your mouth shut, okay? Can we be a witness in our example? Yes, but he's also told us to open our mouths. He also told us to speak. People need to hear the gospel, not just see the gospel, not just feel the gospel, they need to hear the gospel. And they can't hear the gospel if we won't open our mouths. And in one sense of the word, you might be the only person that can ever come to some people. There's some people that you know that you might be the only one, only Christian that ever comes in their life. But if you're only willing to pray for them and not talk to them, then, you know, um, I'm not trying to get on your case, but at the same point in time, that is not what the Bible says. And fear is not from God. And, don't, and we're not trying to get fear here. No, no. And, and I'm not wasn't saying that. 
when people are afraid to go out and share the gospel, uh, first of all, fear is not from God. Uh, he gives us uh, a, a sound, power and love of a sound, a sound mind, uh, paraphrasing that verse. But it, it's like, and Dave and I have had that conversation, this conversation uh, many times amongst ourselves, is... You know, I, I might say, like, I'm af afraid to go, you know, speak to someone because uh, I'm afraid that I'm going to be rejected or the gospel is going to be rejected. And Dave's wisdom that he's given me in the past is we can't reject Jesus for the people. They might be willing and waiting to hear you finally share the gospel with them or for someone to share the gospel with them. But when, when we're afraid and we're thinking, oh, they're just going to reject me, they're just going to, you know, get mad at me or persecute me or, or whatever, when, you know, we can't make that decision for them. We need to present the gospel to them, share the gospel, and then it's up to them to receive or reject. You know, Dave had a coworker one time, and... She was just waiting for someone to share the gospel, but everyone, uh, all the all the other coworkers didn't for whatever reason. And finally, when someone did, she's like, "I've been waiting for you, for one of you to to share the gospel with me," and um, that was all she was waiting for. She was just waiting for someone to extend the invitation, and she didn't know what to ask or how to go about it, and. Everyone thought, well, she's either going to reject it or she's already heard it and doesn't want to hear it. Um, you know, whatever the thought process was. But she was like, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for one of you to, to, I see the Christ in you, but you're not sharing him. And I don't know what to do about it. And uh, so, you know, praise God that, that someone was led by the Holy Spirit to reach out to her and, and ask if, if she wanted to receive Christ. Um, but we can't, we can't not share the gospel because we think someone's already going to reject him. We, we need to go ahead and share. We might be the only Jesus that this person hears. Um, it, I, I get we can preach the gospel without saying a word by our example, but Jesus specifically tells us to go out and preach the gospel. And if Jesus says it, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Okay, well, we're out of time. I hope this was a blessing to you. Uh, we're not talking down to people. We're just, uh, you know, even exhorting ourselves. I know we're here preaching the gospel, but we also have to get, when we're not in front of the camera, we're not behind the pulpit, we also have to get out of our comfort zone and preach the gospel to people that we come in contact with. So we're preaching the same message to ourselves and, as we are to you. And Andrew's heart and our heart is to encourage is to bring to light some truth and some teaching that uh, just will set people free. And this isn't, like Andrew said, this isn't to offend someone. This isn't to, or like Dave said, to, to talk down and get on people's cases. No, this is to encourage and to remind us uh, of what we have in Christ and to what we're supposed to do with it. Yeah, and keep in mind, we're talking about authority, and so we have authority, so we're talking about uh, what authority we have and why we have it. So anyway, we'll talk more next week. We'll see you on Sunday as I just started a brand new teaching series on the four prayers of Paul. 
So join us Sunday at 11.15 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. God bless you guys.